Welcome to our midweek Bible study in First Peter that we've started some weeks ago. Trust us all's well in your life and the Lord is leading you onward and forward and soon upward. <laughs> this evening we're looking at First Peter chapter 1 verses 6 through to 9. Let me read that. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. The trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. A few weeks ago we looked at an introduction and then we looked at the source of our salvation in verses 1 and 2. Then last week we looked at the security of our salvation and this evening we looked at the song of our salvation. And if you want to follow the outline in more detail, that's on the WhatsApp, Lavington Baptist Church. And you can follow that along or you can just listen to the video. And so the song of our salvation. It seems strange that in Peter talking about the troubles that these people were going through, they were scattered abroad from the persecution that uh, happened at Jerusalem and they were far flung all around the place that he was speaking about joy <laughs> and uh, about our salvation well that is and we'll see that tonight there's a good reason why he he spoke of that and we see the song of our salvation tonight and under that the promise in trial the purpose of trials and the present joy of the believer and so the promise in trials. Here in this verse, verse 6, it says, The time we're in, we greatly rejoice. Refers not to our salvation, although that's something we can certainly rejoice, rejoice about, but rather to the last time tied with verse 5, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. And that last time is when we're going to be glorified and our salvation is completed. Wherein, and last time, wherein of verse 6 and last time of verse 5, are in the neuter gender while salvation is the feminine gender. Although we rejoice in our present salvation, and rightly so, yet we shall have unbounded, unlimited rejoicing at the rapture when our salvation is completed. Have you ever stopped and thought, contemplated, meditated upon the thought of it literally happening and how it's going to, what it's going to be like literally then, at that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that moment that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51 tells us about, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we, living Christians, shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal immortality. Contemplate that happening in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Down here, walking along, driving a car, flying in an aeroplane. Maybe that's not going to happen much in the near future anyway. Um, <clears throat> you know, study, sleeping. And you wonder if it's a dream. It's like Peter when he, um, the angel come and rattled him out of the jail and got him, broke him loose. And he, he said, this is a dream. And it wasn't until he got out in the street. No, this is real. <laughs> and uh, one day, those who are sleeping around whatever side of the earth, when the Lord comes, will be taken into his... And what a moment. There to see the saints that have gone before. Maybe our parents and our grandparents and those we never met. Maybe our children that have gone before us. All our friends that have gone to heaven. Instantly to see them all. And to see the Lord. And to probably look quickly around and who's here? Who's as other family all here? What rejoicing will be if all the family are there. All the children, all the grandchildren or great-grandchildren are all there in their glorified bodies. Greatly rejoice. We've got reason to greatly rejoice, as Peter said here, in this last time when the Lord does come. We greatly rejoice in this. So Peter is trying to get our perspective of life right. Live with eternity's values in view. Live as though this is going to happen today. It's imminent. And we'll live very close to the Lord. First John 3, verse 2 to 3 talks about it. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Talk about that occasion when the Lord comes. Titus 2, 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Looking for it, anticipating it, as we mentioned uh, the expectation on Sunday morning, expectation and our comprehension of this. It's going to be real one day and it may be real for most of the people that are living in this generation by looking at the things that are, that are transpiring. We know the times and seasons are here. So <clears throat> it says in verse 6, these trials that we have are for a season, not hereafter, but they're for a season. Faith is the present grace that we have, not a grace of heaven. When faith becomes sight, it's no longer needed because if we see that which we hope for and we've, we're there in, in, in literalness, we're there, we don't need faith. We, as we are seeing it. And consequently, any testing of our faith must be in the bothersome here and now, not in the sweet by and by. Here is where we are candidates for problems, down here on planet Earth in the enemy's territory, in the devil's domain. Problems, tribulations, but only for a season. And the seasons come and go. And the older you get, the quicker the seasons seem to come and go. You wake up in the morning, what season is it? Well, it's winter, it's cold, or it's hot, it's summer. But they come and they go, and so does, does life. It comes and it goes. It's like the uh, falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf. It's like the smoke. It's like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. And so are the testings, uh, the season of testing. And in the scales of eternity, this is a little season. 
God does not say that everyone needs trials all the time or that each believer will face equal testings. They're measured, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if, if need be, ye are in, um, what does it say? Ye are in heaviness through manifold trials. The measures of trials depends on God's purpose for every and particular individual's. You think of it for a while, if need be. What's the need that makes God send us the trials? I think there's two that we can we can think of here. One, his purpose is to make us more useful for him. And we have revelation of scripture to back that up in first Corinthians or second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse seven it says Unless, this is Paul speaking, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. It's, it's a, these, this tribulation in Paul's life was to make him better. And it was to make it so he didn't boast. And he's, wow, look at all I've done. And exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in the infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So tribulations may be for our betterment. We think we'd be better off without them, like Paul thought, because he prayed three times. But the Lord said, No. My grace will be manifest through you. My work will be done through you, your weakness. That's one area of the Lord's purposes for a season. Paul went through this for life. He was stuck with that problem. Um, <clears throat> many say or believe it was his eyesight. What a, a wonderful thing it would have been to have full eyesight and be able to see what's going on, be able to read and write. And it seems that he had other people doing that for him at times. But... Uh, there's another reason, if need be, we might have a season of manifold, many trials. What do you think the other reason could be? Well, this is revealed to us just back near Peter in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. We read there, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. In other words, they hadn't been killed, they hadn't died for their faith yet, striving against the sin and the trials and tribulations. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with, you as, dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye with, be without chastisement, of which all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. And so we have fathers, he said, who corrected us. Don't you think that our heavenly father should correct us? And no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruits of righteous, 
righteousness unto them who are exercised by it. Trials may come from the hand of the Lord to discipline us. And the more stubborn a child, as we know in a home, the more discipline and the more tribulation they go through if their parents do the right thing by them and and chastise them as God does to us. You know, it doesn't take long of being around a little child, even five, four, five, six year old, to figure out this one's going to have a hard time. This one's in for a lot of trouble. Or another one might be very submissive and very obedient. And you can say that, you know, they won't have as many trials. So they won't have as many uh, times to the woodshed with uh, the uh, rod of the Lord being applied to them. Well, there we ought to greatly rejoice in these things. It's only for a season. It'll all be over. And as you look back at times when you thought, oh, I've got three years to do this. I've got five years to go to high school or, you know, four years in university. Well, a long time. And you look back after 20 years and hardly remember it. When we get into eternity, when we get into heaven, as, as it's in, this, in the context here, wherein you greatly rejoice because it's all going to be over. It's all going to be said and done. The promise in trials, it's not long, it'll be all over, and we greatly rejoice. And the second part of the song of our salvation is the purpose of trials in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be, fi- might be found unto the praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Again, he brings the coming of the Lord into this subject of going through troubles. What is the purpose of trials? The trial is, to, is a test, a demonstration to, ter- to determine the genuineness and the durability of a believer's faith. Will it stand the test of the dark days, the disappointments, the sorrow, the criticism, the rebuffs, the physical pain, unrecognized service and on you could go with other things that uh, we have trials in. And these are some of the manifold trials that are mentioned in verse 6, manifold temptations. The word trial implies an examination of the quality of our faith with the object of approving it or approval. And so the purpose of trial to examine our faith for the object of approving the faith. The test of one's faith is much more precious than the testing of gold. The fiery testing of gold purifies the metal, boils it, <laughs> melts it down, makes it valuable. It makes it, you know, put it in the furnace seven times and purified of all the impurities. And as we go into the fire, we go through the tests. The purpose of trial is to purify us until, until we reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, we read, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. However, that was not first, which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. Adam, physical, spiritual, the Lord Jesus. The first man of the earth is earthy, and the second 
man is the Lord, the Lord from heaven. As is the earthiest, such are they that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we look like Adam. We'd be recognised, he would recognise us as a human being and one of his descendants. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Thine image. Adam's image now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. And so this is what the Lord is up to in putting us in the fire like gold to refine us and to get the dross out. I remember being at Wollongong and visiting the steel mill there where they were melting down the the steel and putting the coke in it and all that to strengthen it and, and boiling it, boiling it in this big cauldron. And it was a massive, well, it would have been 50 foot high feet, still talking feet, many, quite a few metres high, you know, 15 to 16 metres. And it's like a big pot shaped like that. And it had a big opening and a big boiling thing. And they had a, a dump truck load of scrap metal they had the thing boiling with all the, the iron ore in there and then they upended this thing with a big crane and tipped all this wire and sheets of tin and, and junk, old car bodies into it and it bubbled and spat and, and it melted it down pretty quickly. But it, the slag was coming off, the, the dross was coming off and that could, that could be gotten rid of and all the rust and the other things that... that impurities were burnt off and and that's the lord he's putting us in the cauldron in the fire like like daniel's three friends in the fire there there with us is the son of god the lord jesus i see nebuchadnezzar said one like the son of god ah yes the lord is with us in our trials and to purify us to, to bring us forth as gold if you just go back into hebrews again in chapter 11 of hebrews you have the account of the people that went through the fire listen to the record there and what shall i more say for the time would fail me to tell of gideon (laughs) trial of his faith and barak and samson and jephthah and david and every one of those if you know your old testament you can hear the story coming back and samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They went in the fire, they didn't come out this side of eternity, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. The world thought they were the scum of the world. And they burnt them and killed them and, and threw them to the lions. But they, in the next world, are the stars that shine forever. It's the people that threw them in that are really the ones that are going to cop it for eternity. Eternal fire, not temporal, seasonal fire down here. And so the purpose is to purify and to clean, to cleanse. And what, what does God 
intend to bring out of our trials praise and honour as we go back to that verse there, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now we might say, well, praise, honour and glory is me. No, the praise, honour and glory is to the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring us to that point of salvation, complete salvation in heaven through the trials through the troubles through life out the other side and uh with him at the appearing of the lord jesus christ um there's no mistake i think that we're studying this after sunday and the message then so we can look forward to great with great expectation to glorify the lord whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of god revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says this about things that happen. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. They are and were created. All these things were created for his glory, and he'll get the glory. And so that's, I think, what it's referring to. Be found unto praise and honour and glory, as he, get, he rewards us and as we put those, those crowns at his feet and uh, he's the one that's going to be glorious at his appearing because of what he's done through us and for us. Christ should be magnified in our bodies whether it be by life, as Paul said, or by death in Philippians 1.20. Now why did Peter speak about salvation and its blessings before mentioning the trials. Maybe it was because he wanted Christians to see that although troubles may come, God's children are still in his care and that these trials are part of God's plan for them. The blessing of salvation would also be a great encouragement to them in their trials. This, this salvation, yeah, I'm going to get out of this. I'm, I'm going home. It's not forever. It's only for a season. And so if you're going through trouble sometimes, lost a job, lost the income, it's only for a season. You will come out the other side if you're a Christian and trusting in him. The present joy, thirdly, the present joy of the believer. We've seen the promise in trials. This is the song of our salvation, the promise in trials, the purpose of trials and the present joy of the believer. And verses 8 and 9, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The present joy of the believer. Why do we have joy? Because of the be believer's relationship to the Lord Jesus. In whom having not seen ye love, though now ye see him not, yet, yet believing. Neither we nor the believers to whom Peter wrote have seen the Lord Jesus. But this should not change our perspective. We do not have to see him to love him. We believe by faith in him. In fact, this is, this is our faith being exercised. To believe only because we've seen, you know, that's not faith anymore. In fact, John twenty twenty nine speaks about, the Lord Jesus spoke about that. Blessed are they who believe who have not seen. You've seen, he said, but this 
coming thousands, millions of people that haven't seen, yet will believe. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Nothing, nothing is going to break our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so the present joy of the believer in the midst of trials is because of the believer's fixed relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can never not become his child once you become his child. And one day we anticipate to be with him. And Revelation 21 verses 3 to 5 speak of the Lord dwelling with us. He will tabernacle with us and will live with him for eternity. From the time that that occasion takes place, and it may be real soon for the dead in Christ and those who are still living and remaining. And from that point on, we're with him. Well, even now we're with him in a fixed relationship. There's, there's, there's no divorce of the Lord of his children. None. Not at all. And nothing's going to break that relationship. So the present joy of the believer is because we have a relationship with him that's eternal and fixed. Ye love, having not seen, in whom though... It, it, it's a bit like those um, arranged marriages, isn't it? Where, the, you know, you say, well, what is in some cultures where what is it going to be like what are they going to be like we haven't seen but we know from the record of scripture that he is wonderful it's going to be a blessing to see him face to face on that wonderful day in whom though now you see him not yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory so secondly in that Second part of verse 8, because of the believer's rejoicing in Christ. The joy of the believer is because of our rejoicing in him. Because of our relationship with the Saviour, trials should not shake us. Rather, we should be joyful. The term joy unspeakable in that verse, with joy unspeakable at the end of the verse, verse 8, means that one cannot express such joy in human language. It's unspeakable joy you know it's going to happen and you know it's going to be there and so the worse the trial the greater the joy and anticipation looking for to be with him also this joy is full of glory as it says in the last few words of verse 8 full of glory or glorified it is not an earthly joy but a glorified joy this is the kind of joy a believer should have in the midst of trials. Romans 5, I've written down next to this thought. Verses 2 and 5. The, uh, how do we get to know the Lord? Through trouble. And trouble brings hope. And hope makes not ashamed. We're not ashamed of our faith in the Lord. And so the present joy of the believer is because of the believer's relationship to Christ. Because of the believer's rejoicing in Christ. And thirdly, because of the believer's reception into glory, verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's anticipation, that's expectation, that's comprehension, the things we spoke about on Sunday morning. The end result of our faith, what is it? The salvation of our souls, body, soul and spirit, redeemed forever in his presence. When all believers have, have believed on the Lord Jesus, they have at that moment the salvation that goes on for eternity. 
And Peter's referring here to the futurist aspect of salvation, which we groan and wait and travail in pain together until now with creation, Romans 8, 31 and following, when the believer will finally be with the Lord. And we haven't time. We've run out of that. We always do. <laughs> but Romans 8, 18 to 24, read of that groaning anticipation. Romans 13, 11 and 12, and I think these verses are in the outline. 1 John 3, 2, we shall see him and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and second peter we're not right near that one second peter chapter 1 and verse 11 that says for so an entrance shall be ministered unto us or unto you abundantly abundant a, a grand entry <laughs> abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ trials come but the more the heat's turned up, the more the dross and the impurities are gone and the more we reflect the Lord Jesus and the more we anticipate heaven. Hey, if we love it down here and we enjoy it down here, we, oh, we don't really want the Lord to come. We're having a grand old time. Isn't that the depiction of the people and the generation when the Lord comes, they'll be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marrying, they'll be giving in marriage. Just be living it up. Now things have come to a bit of a grinding halt with the coronavirus around the world. And things are not going to be the same. Financially not going to be the same. There's not going to be the services. There's a lot of things that we, we don't know yet, but it looks, doesn't look too good. Some things will go on and it'll take a long time to recover if the Lord doesn't come in the meantime. But we've got a great anticipation, haven't we, of looking for that grand entry when we'll go to heaven and be with him and be like him and seeing him as he is, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, for our prayer requests, we don't make them public over the internet. And so if you want to follow along and pray for different things, Go to the WhatsApp for our church. And if you haven't got that on, talk to Robbie or Sam and they'll, they'll help you they'll walk you through it to get you on there. But we can say uh, praise the Lord for the, the uh, finances that have come in for Andrew. It's, I think it's a record over the last two months. People, uh, yeah, it might be in financial straits, but they're giving abundantly more yesterday than the day before. It just keeps coming and going straight to the job straight to the job of getting the gospel out there in that country along with all the other missionaries so keep praying and we'll see you lord willing on sunday as we say here there or in the air and great to be you know we might have trials now but it'll be great to be gone out of here up up and away with the lord into glory god bless bye for now